Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are keeping score. It may be one of the most exciting parts of the sports calendar year. NFL season opening up. Premier League and other European leagues well on their way. Golf over, but the President's Cup looms. Same thing with hockey and basketball beginning soon. So the mega events certainly kicking in. And it's time for our deal-making minutes. Three to one. Let's go to number three kind of an interesting story and it may affect everybody internationally so bear with me as the summer draws down in the u.s a free spray tan is at stake for cleveland browns fans for the second consecutive year cleveland-based sunless inc offers complimentary first come first serve spray tans after the browns first regular season win of the season the plain dealer says the deal will be offered through the company's spray tan subsidiary and is good only the day after a victory the sunless rep uh, uh, talks about the value of this being in the 30 to 50 dollar range course with the Browns projected to make the NFL playoffs and the Indians only a few games behind the AL Central and looking good for a postseason wildcard card berth. The sports outlook in Cleveland far sunnier this year than it has been in the past. So anybody from an international audience perspective that's worried about the weather, don't worry about spray tan giveaway and you won't have any problem. That's number three. Number two, the U.S. Open enters its second week. A new balance in the USTA using this year's tournament to align themselves with the empowerment, inspiration, and equality of female athletes. Fast Company says all three have launched ads in the last week or two talking about female athlete empowerment in different ways. Last Sunday, Women's Equality Day. And the USTA is Women Worth Watching, created by agency in New York, shines a light on how little attention is actually given to women's sports. Nike's Sports Changes Everything campaign goes for full-on inspiration with spots starring Serena Williams, Sloane Stevens, Naomi Osaka, and Simona Halep, all featuring young girl fans reading out letters to their tennis heroes. New Balance continues its newfound push into major sports branding with the new spot celebrating young female Coco Goff and oozes with the brash, youthful attitude of the next generation. Team 8 President and CEO Tony Godsick represents the 15-year-old Goff, who had recently signed deals worth approximately a million with pasta maker Barilla, New Balance, and Head before her run at Wimbledon early this year. That's number two. And finally, maybe bigger than anything else, because of the NFL start, number one. For the first time, the NFL campaign 100th year season will have four regular season games played in London and one in Mexico. 2019 marks the 13th consecutive year the NFL has staged matches in the UK. This year's London games will be split between Wembley and the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, with the showdown between the Bears and Raiders 
at the new Premier League ground in the most in-demand game. When the NFL first started the International Series, a lot of questions as to whether there would be a demand for American football in Europe, in Asia, Mexico, and elsewhere. Now, interest with the league internationally continues to climb as London games are drawing fans from over 35 countries. StubHub's third annual NFL preview also found the league sales coming from outside the U.S. and have increased 19% since the start of last season, with fans coming from 54 countries using the ticketing platform to buy their seats. Well, that's number one. And number one ties into the beginning of the NFL season. It's 100th as an NFL entity. And obviously, the biggest season yet with a whole bunch of promo, corporate activation, deals all over the country. And who better to analyze this both here and globally in the U.S.? Arnold Wright, Chief Executive Vice President and Co-Head of Consulting for Octagon. And with more than two years of experience working directly with Octagon's largest brand clients, the uh, the co-head of the consulting uh, world for Octagon, Arnold Wright, helps lead the agency client platforms across multiple sports categories and properties, as well as a team of 400-plus employees based in the U.S. Serving as Octagon's resident NFL expert, Wright's tenure of experience surrounding the National Football League includes sports sponsorship programs and campaigns for numerous league and team sponsors, including Castrol, Bank of America, and Delta. And as the NFL begins anew for the 2019-20 season, let's talk corporate, revenue, advertising, television with Arnold Wright. Sports professor Rick Harrow in the boardroom beyond the scoreboard. It's that time of year again. For the hundredth time, we begin the season with every team destined to go to the Super Bowl and nobody's lost a game. Little trick, I've told the viewers this and listeners before, all my relationships with the NFL, I'll call them on Thursday morning and tell them good luck because from that day on, half of them are upset. So you want to avoid all of that. (laughs) Arnold Wright, Executive Vice President and Co-Head of Consulting for Octagon, more than two decades of experience working directly with the largest brand clients He helps lead the agency's client partners, multiple sports categories and properties. He also, in his day job, serves as the resident NFL expert. At least he picked a sport that's going to be billions and billions and billions and will live in infamy through our next set of generations. Team and league sponsors campaigns to life for, brings campaigns to life for numerous sponsors, including uh, Castrol, Bank of America, Delta, and others. Arnold, how are you? Great. How about you, Rick? Good. We were just talking before we started that you used to be on the road like every week. Now you have this strategic, let everybody else do it, but you cover how many football games a year? I mean, many, many, many football games a year. I'll see a few football games for sure this year. Yeah, exactly. And and now you have a league generally that notwithstanding its day-to-day issues relative to discipline and when the CBA gets done, it's approaching 16, 17, 18 billion dollars a year. Roger Goodell gets 45 million. People complain, but when you think about a public company and the net compensation, it is moving in the right direction. The league, yes? No question about it. It's obviously an incredible platform. The league's up year over year in terms of ratings. People continue to engage in multiple platforms. Uh, I would say the on field um, action is as good as it's ever been. Uh, despite a couple of controversial calls here and there. 
Um, but no question, the league's a really, really healthy place to be. So during the last few years, let's say, uh, NFL Park Avenue headquarters has helped grow the game, increase TV viewership, digital viewership, bringing new markets like the UK and Mexico. Um, how does that help sponsors feel good about their activations and make some decisions that are favorable to the NFL? Well, the international piece in particular has been great for the league, just in terms of growing its overall fan base. You, know, you, consider to, you continue to see key markets like uh, the UK, Mexico, even Brazil uh, growing internationally. And certainly uh, the games that are being played overseas are contributing to that. I think they're playing five games this year internationally, which is obviously pretty solid. From a partner perspective, Typically, those international games are not included in your contract. Those are add-ons. So it's bringing other brands into the NFL ecosystem, if you will, from a partner perspective, from a, prom a promotional perspective. Uh, and, you know, I think that's interesting. So a number of brands like Bank of America, Delta, they have activation programs across multiple uh, NFL teams. Uh, how does this hyper-local campaign, first of all, not that easy to do, relies on your expertise to make sure you aggregate the appropriate markets and cut the individual deals without disturbing the league mandate. But has it been working out well for teams and, and corporations? It, it certainly does. And, you know, we recommend to clients based on what their uh, priorities are. So for Bank of America, they obviously have a number of national partnerships. They are a big national bank, but they also have a a desire to be viewed as local, your local hometown bank. And so some of these affiliations that they have help to bridge that gap, both in terms of the programming they're doing, in terms of their affiliation. And so uh, we see that typically on the team side, Delta Airlines, no different, the Home Depot, no, no different. From a national perspective, brands like Castrol have shifted their priorities over time. Uh, Castrol was very much a, a B2C type advertiser for a number of years and to be sure they still have those elements but more and more they've shifted to a b2b type strategy where they're actually educating and entertaining their key retail distributors so it's a it's a pretty interesting shift in their model and castrol is a good example because the league changes companies change ceos change sure but yet there's some sustainability there and a lot of the challenge i would assume you have is how to measure in a way that transcends television and designs a campaign that includes digital and other newfangled media that'll keep campaigns fresh and exciting. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, certainly reach, certainly um, how we're uh, positioning the brand are important metrics that we're looking at and, and we are doing that. But we're also working very closely with their internal sales channels to make sure we understand what case movement looks like and those types of measurements that really drive the bottom line. Yeah. And, and so as it moves forward, the measurement issue, Mark Lazarus, for example, a good friend, tells me that the biggest challenge he's had as a TV executive is to find some way to develop a measurement device that is universally accepted, that doesn't sound self-serving, that counts phones and televisions in an apples-to-apples -apples way so Madison Avenue doesn't turn its back. That, there are a lot of questions to that, yeah. but I assume everybody is on the same page as far as trying to find a way to measure and then activate uh, based on that measurement. Measurement has been elusive in terms of a standardized approach, as you say. So basically what we try and do is customize what those approaches are working with our clients. Um, 
Nielsen ratings forever have been established sort of mechanism in terms of reach, but to your point, fragmentation has changed that. So how do you aggregate the total consumption and, and what does that mean in terms of uh, fan interest and driving business? And, and so the other piece of this too is corporate support around NFL programs at times of some uh, significant controversy around the NFL. Some companies will be affected differently. The NFL has gone through a lot. I think they're in a better position today than they were a couple of years ago relative to these issues, and they're taking things on head-on, but you always have the the Kenny Still, Steve Ross out here, and you have the Ray Rice out there. How do you, how do you as a corporate representative navigate through those? It could be difficult. Um, you know, there are certain brands that uh, essentially want to go quiet during times of controversy. There are some brands that want to take a very proactive approach, either for or against whatever the social issue may be. Um, you know, but typically that's a case by case basis. And we work cl closely with our clients, both in terms of what their internal PR groups are saying and ultimately how we would recommend best to position against whatever the topic might be. So you got a new client, let's go inside Octagon, and the new client says, uh, I want to do something NFL. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, you obviously sold the NFL, but they're pre-sold already. That client wants to do something. Is it, you look at individual teams, you look at the, the hyper market approach? Do you look at a long-term uh, activation strategy relative to the digital uh, or not? I know it depends on the corporate client's yeah, sure. uh, preferences, but what process? Give me your process. Yeah, typically, we'll look at what they're trying to achieve, who they're trying to reach, essentially what their priority markets are, whatever the key metrics are that are going to drive their decision-making and their business. Um, we will oftentimes do a landscape analysis for them, not just a single property, but try and give them kind of overall where you might consider where it's going to be an effective reach, where it's going to be an efficient spend and those types of things. When we, when we land on NFL, say, um, there are multiple points of entry into NFL, whether that's league, as you say, team, players, uh, there are any number of ways that you can do, or you can do a combination of those things. And typically, you know, it's about how you're going to market it. It's about how you're going to activate it. Buying just the partnership, buying just the IP with no intent of going to activate those things is not a sound investment. And so we're trying to think from not only what is the platform, but how are we going to execute it? And ultimately, how are we going to measure it to drive business? NFL's 100th season, big deal. It is an exciting time for all you strategic guys that come up with more creative stuff. Now, I know because I saw some of the preseason chatter and promotional marketing stuff that if I'm a Kansas City fan and I'm in Kansas City and I want to get married and I'm lucky enough, Travis Kelsey will appear at my <laughs> wedding. So I may just end my current relationship and maybe I'll ask him to marry me in Kansas City. What's going on with all of this stuff? It must be really fun to brainstorm 100th anniversary stuff. I, I got to <laughs> give the league a lot of credit. They've done a lot of really good work about positioning themselves, celebrating the history of the league, both from a player perspective, from a fan perspective. Um, you know, they've got some incredible programs that they're running. I think they've demonstrated a real um, savviness around their marketing uh, and, and their connectivity to fans. And, you know, to your point, the Travis uh, Kelsey program is an interesting idea. So um, the league several years ago probably would not have demonstrated that level of flexibility right. in terms of their marketing and how what you could do uh, with their platforms. But that, that certainly changed. Average franchise value according to Forbes. Interesting about Forbes, though, the top level 
value franchises, they don't argue with Forbes. It's great. If Forbes tells me I'm worth $5 billion, Jerry Jones, then I'm worth $5 billion. The bottom guys, they say there's something wrong with the analysis. But since the NFL is kind of socialistic relative to how they spend money, the range isn't that big and the range is narrowed every year. How do you deal with a $5 billion asset and you bring corporations in? Do you sell the partnership with an asset? How important is the individual activation? How important is being a partner with a team and a league that's such a juggernaut? Or is it a little bit of both? Well, certainly there are brands that are stronger than others within any ecosystem yeah, within, right. uh, within sports and entertainment. Um, we really think about it in terms of what the overall brand uh, look is going to be. And so, yes, the affiliation is important. Yes, key markets or, or key platforms are important. But it, it ultimately goes back to that idea of how are you going to use it? How does it tie back to your business? How do you create a point of relevance? Um, and, and those are the things that drive our decision-making and ultimately what we do. Now, one of the other things quickly about corporations, since that's your area of expertise, is the NFL is one of those sports that doesn't allow a corporation to own a franchise. There are other sports where teams will sure. be taken. So does that does that increase the opportunity of a universe of, of corporations that may want to get involved in the NFL and, and they're shut out from ownership, so you think there may be other ways to get them involved? Uh, it's an interesting point. Uh, you know, I don't know if that drives it or doesn't drive it. I, I think the interesting part is there are certain partnerships the league won't enter into uh, because there are uh, it diminishes the ability for their partners to activate. Um, but in terms of, you know, which brands get affiliated, you know, it's really about the sport itself. And really, it's about the fans and their interests. Fair. Let's talk labor peace for a second. Everybody talked about the sky falling because the NFL couldn't reach a deal by the beginning of the season. Well, nobody realizes there's another season to go before you have to worry about sure. it. And deals don't – some do, but many don't get done until the deadline. Uh, is there some input as a kind of representative of the corporate world of the NFL where you kind of get in in the middle of if, – if negotiations aren't going well and say, hey, look, you know, we've got a long-term deal here. Look at your brands that will be affected – is it implicit or do you kind of speak up in that process? We try and put protections in place uh, during Good. contracts so that if there are labor issues um, that we have some, uh, as I say, protection. Um, we don't typically put ourselves in between the league and its players and their negotiations, nor do we put ourselves in between their broadcasters and the league. But those are important elements that um, you know, affect whatever your investment is for sure. Finally, social responsibility. It used to be that CEOs would make commitments for social causes because their uh, spouses said it was a good idea or they're playing golf with the head of United Way. All those are important, but now there is a definite ROI relationship to corporate giving. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think what you've seen is a rise of corporate foundations that basically prioritize where giving uh, is going to be directed. Uh, you see that on the league side, you see that on the corporate side, and, and in essence, that's enabled uh, these brands to try and uh, pinpoint where their dollars are going because they're being asked for, to contribute across multiple, multiple opportunities. All right, Crystal Ball, five years from now, give me your feeling of where the NFL is from a business perspective. It'd be hard to say that they're not going to be in a stronger position than they are today. Certainly, all leagues are trying to uh, address the younger fan base that has a very different view of how sports even fit into the world, much less how they consume them. Uh, but it'd be a, I would not bet against the NFL in five years. 
I don't think anybody bets against the NFL in five years, and nobody bets against Arnold Wright and this uh, amazing Octagon headquarters, ladies and gentlemen. This place is doing it right. Rick Caro, speak with you soon. Well, Arnold obviously has some significant perspective as we enter the uh, the NFL. It's a uh, anywhere from a eighteen to twenty one billion dollar trillion dollar uh, business. Uh, looking uh, forward, certainly eighteen to twenty one billion. Now, uh, clearly, when you add up all of the assets over the last few years, you could be talking about trillions. And especially if it were a public company, it's not. But it is huge. Hopefully, labor peace will dominate over labor unrest as we have nearly a year to make a deal. So that's our deal making and that's Arnold Wright. Let's talk about tech, our top sports tech minute. UFC surpasses the NFL and Instagram followers. 15 million followers, one of the big reasons why the MMA success and its global appeal has attracted fans in Asia, Europe, and the Americas. This makes its marketing style similar to the NBA, but the UFC has actually had events in various countries, which can serve to further grow a following on social media in general. Forbes says the impacting images of the UFC are also another big factor. While some may shy away from the high-impact images, combat sports photos are the most revealing and intimate of all sports photography. The UFC's Instagram page offers a balanced look at the pain, glory, and passion of fight life through images and video highlights to bring a large global following to its sport. And not to be outdone internationally, UEFA and Japanese gaming company Konami partner for inaugural E-Euro 2020 Eurosports Tournament, the first ever Eurosports tournament featuring European national soccer squads feature all 55 of the national associations that are members of European soccer's governing body. And rather than play in historic FIFA series, participants will compete on Konami's soon-to-be-released eFootball PES 2020 gaming title. Qualifiers will be held in London over various dates between November and December, ahead of the tournament's grand finale held at Wembley next July. The eSport tournament winners also receive tickets to the UEFA 2020 European Championship final, as well as prizes yet to be disclosed. They may yet to be disclosed, but make sure you understand they will be huge as esports getting bigger and bigger every single year. Finally, the Power Sport Minute. Pledget and Max Preps partnered to launch the fourth annual Touchdowns Against Cancer program. Fourth season TAC, powered by Pledget, raised nearly half a million to benefit cancer research for St. Jude Hospital and raising significant dollars. The links for Luzon College, for example, in Memphis, raised over 21 grand by scoring 26 touchdowns. And just like winning on the football season, the TAC crowns a champion for the school that donates the most uh, money. And and John uh, Stockett, the senior director of business and marketing for Max Preps, thinks the TAC participation could lead to the most money raised in a single year. Again, across the pond, the same kind of mentality. UEFA recognizes an English Burnley FC fan who ran to every game for charity. Not just home, but the guy ran to every away game. 
500 kilometers as part of the aptly named Runaway Challenge. He was, uh, he actually uh, talked about running up 450 kilometers on the pitch in the 2018-19 season, and the distance covered is roughly the route of running from New York City to Denver and then returning back to New York City on foot. Burnley uh, is a big charitable organization, and though not a star on the pitch, the ability to help run change the lives of everybody across soccer, and this should inspire others to do the same in other sports. Well, philanthropy gets bigger, tech gets bigger, and obviously the NFL season. We'd like to thank Arnold Wright. We'd like to thank all of you for listening, and obviously our Reuters folks for putting this together. Join us next week when we continue to keep score. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Reuters Digital. I'm Ricardo. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.